Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice from Audible.com. Joining us for today's podcast is Steve Hayes, who just finished up the uh, covering the uh, hearings on Benghazi. It was a fascinating day, Steve. It seemed to me like a lot of news was being made. Was I right? Yeah, I think this was a pretty significant uh, hearing today with some major development in the broad story about what happened in Benghazi, what happened before the attacks in Benghazi, and what happened after the, the attacks in Benghazi. What piece jumps out at you, and I'll just run one past you, the news that the State Department had sent out an email on September 12th to Libya saying this was a terrorist attack. That seemed like news to me. I think that's arguably the biggest development of the day. The State Department official Beth Jones sent an email to Libyan government officials saying not only that this had been a terrorist attack, but identifying Ansar al-Sharia, an al-Qaeda affiliate operating in Libya, as uh, participants, participants in that attack. The reason that's significant is because, of course, later in the week we get the CIA uh, offering these talking points to both people on the Hill and administration officials in which they make direct and unqualified claims that Islamic extremists with ties to al-Qaeda had participated in the attack. Those uh, claims from the CIA get scrubbed when they go through an interagency review process between Friday the 14th and Saturday the 15th. And now we know that the Libyan government was saying that Ansar al-Sharia and al-Qaeda elements were involved in the attack immediately afterwards. The CIA was saying Ansar al-Sharia al-Qaeda elements were involved in the attack immediately afterwards. And the State Department had that information. So if the State Department has that information on September 12th, there's absolutely no reason whatsoever that it shouldn't have been in Susan Rice's Sunday show appearances on September 16th. It's also strange, and, and maybe I approach this from a, just a more of a typical viewer as opposed to a, a news person like you has to be a little more objective, but I just think about Hillary Clinton standing at the, uh, uh, the coffin of Ambassador Stevens and talking about a videotape when her own agency had said he was a victim of terror. I, I don't know how to reconcile that picture with what we heard today. Well, and you have direct testimony today from Greg Hicks, who was the number one U.S. diplomat, the top U.S. diplomat on the ground in Libya after Chris Stevens was killed. Direct testimony from him, again, saying without qualification, the YouTube video was a non-event in Libya, saying it had absolutely nothing to do with anything that was going on in Libya, and also saying, again, without qualification, there was no protest in Libya. Now, Hicks was not consulted before administration officials went out and made their public statements and offered a false narrative on what happened. The, uh, you mentioned the, uh, the, what was going on in Libya. It's, it's interesting to listen to the conversation about what was happening leading up to the attack itself. Do we know more about how concerned either Ambassador Stevens or Mr. Hicks or the others were about an attack before it occurred? Well, it certainly sounds, um, I mean, we know from what's been reported previously that Ambassador Stevens was worried about his security sort of very generally. Um, it certainly sounds, um, via testimony from Eric Nordstrom today, he also appeared uh, in testimony last year, late last year, saying, in effect, we were sounding the alarms. We were telling people that this was not safe. Um, you had additional testimony from the witnesses today under questioning from 
James Langford, a congressman from Oklahoma, saying in effect that that the GAO had uh, classified the Benghazi post as one of those high-risk posts that would require the Secretary of State to actually authorize um, the continued uh, levels of security as opposed to increasing it. What, what were the other headlines that jumped out for you, Steve Hayes? You've been covering this story as closely as anyone I know. What else made you go, wow? Well, I think the, the sort of in the, in the aftermath of the attacks and, and listening to Greg Hicks, who as a 22-year veteran of the, the diplomatic corps, a pretty darn uh, credible witness, hearing uh, what happened to Hicks uh, that he perceived as either threats or intimidation after the fact is pretty eye-opening. No kidding. Pretty significant. You know, he says he got a call from Cheryl Mills, who is one of Hillary Clinton's very closest advisors. Some say that she's like an alter ego to Hillary Clinton, in effect threatening him, intimidating him, suggesting that he shouldn't be cooperating with uh, congressional Republicans or anybody else who's asking questions about this. He later said that he was the subject of a, quote, blistering attack, unquote, by Beth Jones was one of the State Department officials who was right in the middle of this. In fact, she was the author of the memo that you alluded to at the very beginning, uh, back to State Department officials or back to Libyan government officials saying, in effect, um, this had been an attack by al-Qaeda extremists. Uh, The uh, issue of the counterterrorism people being... Uh, either blanked out of the communications or edged out. Did that story develop anymore? Do we know anymore? Yeah, there was some dispute about that today. The uh, Democrats on the committee took a statement from Dan Benjamin, who was the uh, head of the Counterterrorism Bureau at the State Department, and used it against Mark Thompson, who was one of the officials working in counterterrorism at the State Department that night. Uh, Thompson had basically said before the hearings, that he'd been cut out, the state counterterrorism bureau had been cut out of these these discussions. Uh, Dan Benjamin disputed that and said, "No, in effect, really, we haven't hadn't been cut out, and we were looped in all along." The problem is, in my view, uh, the credibility of the two witnesses is not equal. Mark Thompson was in the middle of this that night, all night, working on these issues. Dan Benjamin uh, may have been included in some of the discussions, but was overseas on assignment at the time. So he was not, as I understand it, a hands-on player in the in the same manner that Mark Thompson was. You know, one of the questions that many of us who've been talking about uh, Benghazi since it happened have is, is there anything that can force the broader media and the average American to care? Because so far it's been pretty compartmentalized. We have some people who care about this passionately. It involves dead American, ambassador, al-Qaeda. And then it's massive people who look at you and you say Benghazi and they want to know what team he plays for. Did something happen today, do you think, that will cause the New York Times and others to be forced to cover this like a serious news story? It's hard to say. I mean, I think the reason that you're not getting coverage, serious coverage, from many of the mainstream outlets is just because they're not paying attention to the details. Mm -hmm. It's inconceivable to me that any reasonably fair-minded journalist uh, could, could have learned all of the things we've learned over the past days about the talking points, about these two firsthand witnesses uh, about what happened before, about what happened after, about the case that the administration made, and look at all of that new information, and that's the emphasis here. This is fresh information, and say, yeah, there's nothing really to cover here. 
that doesn't that doesn't work. That's not a valid explanation. Um, so if they don't cover it, I think you know you can basically say this is uh, th- these are journalists who are um, I think shirking their responsibilities to cover interesting and compelling stories. Where do you think we go from here? Do you think the media picks it up? Do you think there's a more serious investigation? We already have the uh, inspector general reviewing the review board. Will there be similar actions where other agencies of government feel they need to step in because this is such a mess? This is not going away. And one of the reasons it's not going away is we heard from several Democratic members of the panel today saying directly and explicitly that they want additional hearings. Wow. So we know Republicans want additional hearings, but you had Democrats saying we need more hearings. We want to talk to more people. That's pretty significant. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us for this weekly candidate. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us for this Weekly Standard Podcast. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Michael. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. And thanks to audible.com for their special offer, a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. Be sure to check out the special offer from audible.com. I'm your host, Michael Graham.